This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for the statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio broadcast from the offices of Pretoria Law in Tyson, Virginia. This is your host, Herb Cohen, with my co-host for Applebaum Potomac Companies, Brian Chandler, Pretoria Law, Andrea Dykes, Howard Insurance, and Les Smolin Vistage. Les, can you give us a rundown on who we have on the air today, please? Sure. We have Andrew Ritger, President and CEO of Zips Dry Cleaners. We have Ramzi Rahani, CEO of Options Corp. We have Nisha Shah Jahan, President and CEO of Integrity Management Services, Inc., and Michael Farrell, Executive Director, Coalition for the Homeless. Let's get to know our first guest, Andrew Ritzker, who is the President and CEO of Zips Dry Cleaners. I think I've seen these signs around. Andrew, what is Zips Dry Cleaners? What are you guys doing? Zips is a uh, garment care business, and it is a single low-price dry cleaning that handles uh, same-day service in by nine, out by five, and we handle about 10,000 garments a week. Wow, I also understand that your prices, aside from the fact that there's consistency, your prices tend to be a bit lower as well. We are 60% cheaper, so the typical store might, our average ticket's around $15, and we should be able to save you somewhere around $20, $25 when you come visit us. Wow, I'm going to come. All right. And uh, where are you from originally? I'm from Eldorado, Arkansas. Arkansas. And uh, how many brothers and sisters do you have? Uh, I have two older sisters. I'm, I'm affectionately known as the baby son. You're the baby son. All right. I understand at the age of 16 that uh, <clears throat> you were working. What were you doing at the age of 16? At the age of 16, I had the opportunity to manage a gas station. In those days, there's actually two businesses. You pump and serve gasoline, and you had a full service a mechanic bay. Uh, and so I had the opportunity to run a gas station that had both gasoline and uh, actually fix your car. Are you a genius at fixing cars? I have no idea even really how to open the hood, but I was lucky enough that I had two great mechanics and learned how to manage them, uh-huh. as well as a, a, a group of about four tenants, as we called them, that uh-huh. pumped the gas in. That was full service, by the way. You, Interesting. You, you showed up, and we actually pumped the so gas. You, uh, so you have this ability to manage. All right, uh, Andrea. Andrew, what was your reputation growing up? I I was very fortunate at a young age, probably in the seventh grade, I got to be uh, class president, and then in the eighth grade, I actually was the captain of the football team. You were the class president in seventh grade. You were the head of the football team in the eighth grade. Uh Uh-huh. You must have been a pretty popular kid. Yeah? No? I wouldn't. I, I would say that I, I was fortunate that I had a lot of people that were uh, let me win by one vote on both of those, but it was a great experience yeah, for me. Yeah, I think you're pretty modest. Andrea, what else are you and, thinking? And as the baby of the family, how did you learn how to build a team? You know, I, I have a, my parents, particularly my mother, had a lot of influence on me in terms of how we approach problems. She really believed in a team concept that you needed to learn how to compete needed to learn how to win but you did that 
as a group and that individual accomplishment was much less important than uh, a team or group accomplishment. And really how'd you get, how'd you me. get that lesson from your mom? Did she tell you that? Did you see that? How'd that come across? She actually, in both ways, she talked about it a lot. We had, um, in those days, we had a family dinner. And so as we talked about uh, different things in our life, that was one of the lessons we talked a lot about. What did we do today? What did we engage in? And she really believed that group type, team type um, uh, endeavors are really a great way to build skill as a, at an individual level from a leadership and also learning. Isn't that fundamentally the core asset you bring to the party as president and CEO of Zips Dry Cleaners, what your mom was doing around the dinner table? Absolutely. What it, are you it, talking about? Tell me more about that. I mean, really, as you think about running any business, you want to you be able to create wins for your consumer. And our consumers are both our, our guests who come to our stores, our franchisees, and our shareholders. And so my mother's lesson is that you really have to work, learn to work with each of those groups and create teams to allow each of those groups to win. So your mother taught you about building a franchise company. How interesting. Les? Yeah, Dad. What was Dad doing? Uh, Dad owned an, was a partner in an insurance company, and he was really um, a major component around customer service. So I had when I answered the phone at home when I was uh, – as a kid, mm -hmm. at a certain way, I had to answer it. And then if it was one of his customers, I was expected to, to handle myself in such a way that really represented his business. So, so very were you working age. with him? No, I actually just, I was told when the call came, here's what you need to do. Take a good note and make sure that I call back. And, and what that have to do with how you run the business today? It taught me about the value of service and the value of relationships what and how mean? important it was to take care of a person's need. If they're willing to call you with their need, then take care of it. So your dad taught you that the market's the master, and your mom taught you about building a team. That's correct. Now I understand. Brian. Yeah, well, you were um, you were younger. You talked a bit also about how you got involved in uh, helping establish a, a house painting business. I right? did. And uh, part of your job was to go around and manage the crews. And uh, I, I think and we see this in your in your career now. You really get sort of a, a, a high in, in – in solving problems could you talk a little about that yeah i really the 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 both at the running a car uh, gasoline business importantly the is very heavy retail as a paint and so there are all kinds of issues that popped up every day when you had five crews you're dealing with five five homeowners or business owners and so that ability to deal with the vendor the problem and and the crew really taught me a lot about hey what what how do you solve a problem and how do you give really good customer service and to this day, you're dealing with franchisees, right, and their problems, and, and you probably take the same approach to those type of issues. Absolutely. Our franchisee is our customer, and they're the most important person that we deal with every day in terms of making sure they get value for their money. It seems there's a pretty straight line between your mom teaching you about building teams, your dad teaching you about the markets, the master, and customer service, and uh, your understanding of how to build a franchise company. In fact, you demonstrated you knew how to manage when it came to running this full-service gas station and you were building this painting business when you were 17, which was like an early franchise. Isn't that true? That is true. Wait, tell us more about that. The, uh, you know, the, the thing that I've learned uh, over time, particularly from my experience is the painting is a good example. We learned how to bid the job, how to price it, how to service it, how to close the deal in terms of what was the pricing, and then how do we make sure that when we leave the job, you're happy. And that's a lot of what we've learned from a franchising business. How do we do a good job for you? And how do we create value? And how do we make sure you get a profit out of that business? And something we learned early. I've been fortunate 
have learned very early it in my life. It sounds to me like these franchisees, as opposed to a, a franchise system where there's a lot of litigation, it sounds like you're building one big family, taking into consideration that the market's the master, but it takes a team, and you're really building a team with these franchisees, it feels like. Am I correct about that? Or? Yeah, really, it's about trust. It's a value proposition. We should never, I'm proud to say, I've never gone to court in my 25 years in franchising. Because it's all about value, you know, treating people with respect, and that sometimes oversaid, but listening to them and making sure they're being heard and giving good service and good value. I thought the I thought that the world of franchising was like the Full Employment Act for a law firm, but you're telling me you haven't been the you, it doesn't happen. It's not that way. I have never been to court in 25 years. Why is that? How is that? If you offer a good product and you take care of your customers and you align, uh, create a win-win situation. There's no need to ever litigate. So you're telling me it's all about the relationships. It's all about the relationships and all about the product. Hmm. Uh-huh. What's the best part of your day? Best part of my day uh, is to go to the store and see a very happy group of people working in the store and see a very long line of customers getting treated with the Zips Promise. The Zips? What, what, what is the Zips Promise? In by nine, out by five, and 40, uh, 60% cheaper than any other place you could go. Pretty straightforward. Very straightforward. Why? Why would I go anywhere else? You I shouldn't. Yeah, it sounds to me like this is like this is a pretty clear message here. And uh, you married or single? I am married. You have any kids? I have three. What's the similarity between the, being the president and CEO of Zips Dry Cleaners and being a dad? The similarity? Oh, uh, well, I think probably the most important thing is good communication and and also uh, know that unconditionally I'm going to do the right thing for you and have the trust that we're all going to work to do do the right thing for all of us. Do you really see a similarity? I mean, I'm, am I putting words in your mouth, the similarity between being a dad and being a CEO of a franchise company? Or no, I, actually, I do see some similarity. I want my, fam, my, my kids to know that they're loved unconditionally, and I want my franchisees to know that we're gonna be, they're going to be treated fairly and that we'll always listen to what they have to say. Give me that again. You want your franchise? Give me that again with the free. I mean, they're signing this large agreement, but what? What do? You, what? Do you, what? Do you, there's something overriding that. It's just a feeling. I, I really want the franchisees to know that I'm there for them at any time. Uh, they can talk to me about any issue, and that the door's always open, and we we can deal on a basis of trust and good faith. We always have good intentions, and each of us, each of us, come at it from the the perspective of good intentions. Do you ever have franchisees refer other franchisees? We do. I guess that's probably, the, probably the, the best way to grow our franchise business is have a fr- happy franchisee. If they do that, they'll bring other people into the business. Yeah, I figured that's why you're growing like you're growing because people trust you. What, what's the website address of this organization? Uh, 321zips.com. Let me have that one more time. 321zips.com. We've been speaking with Andrew Ritzker, who's the president and CEO of Zips Dry Cleaners here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loud and Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver, you know, 
anywhere from eight dollars uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down, and therefore multiplying the dollars and making one of it one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't ah interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and mm -hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What did you, what did you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm -hmm. parents, mm -hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your Business Spotlight. This is John Schuhart. Join us, joining us for our Business Spotlight is Barry File. Who are you with, Barry? I'm with Celebrate Fairfax, a yeah. 501c3 nonprofit in Fairfax, Virginia. And what do you do with uh, Celebrate Fairfax? I am very fortunate to be the president and CEO of the organization. So what does Fairfax, or excuse me, Celebrate Fairfax do? We have a mission to celebrate Fairfax County and its communities. We serve the 1.1 million people who live in the county and all, as well as all the people who uh, visit and work there. So uh, what do you enjoy about working at Celebrate Fairfax? It is the best job in the world. It is. We come to work every day, my team and I. And we get to prepare and plan and produce events for 75,000, 100,000 people. And we treat them like, we think of them like, like they're our, our friends. So, so we get to come in and, and just plan great events for them. What makes those events so special? We try to be unique uh, within this region especially, but we're always trying to stretch the envelope of what people expect from events. People go to events because they want to have great experiences. And for us, we are always trying to give them that return on investment because they're not giving us necessarily a lot of money when they come to our event, but they are giving us their time and their energy, and that's an important thing. People want that ROI back. So did you ever think you'd be doing this when you were a kid? No, never. I, I think that when I was a kid, I, I, was, I was building things, designing things, and somewhere along the line I fell into events and realized that it was a natural extension for me, that I just loved producing things. So what was it about being a kid that led you to this? Um, I think that it was just the challenges that were there. I always tried to figure out solutions to problems that didn't exist, and uh, that's what we do now. It's, it's the same principle. So when did you first start overcoming big challenges as a kid? Uh, I think I always was. Uh, I think that uh, I lived in a household with two older kids, parents who had their own things going on, and I think for me, I just always uh, tried to find my own way. What's your website? Our website is celebratefairfax.com. This is John Schuhart, and this has been your Business Spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Ramzi Rahani, who's the CEO of Options Corp. Ramzi, what is Options Corp? Options for Senior America is a home health care group. We provide home care for the senior citizens in their own homes in 11 states. Uh-huh. And I understand that, uh, where, where, where are you from originally? Originally from Lebanon. Uh-huh. How many brothers and sisters? Uh, two, one brother and sister older and one brother younger. So you're the third of four, and how young were you when you came to the United States? I was 27 years old. All right, and when you were in Lebanon, 
ages eight to fourteen, what was the what kind of stuff were you doing? Age of fourteen, I was uh, listening to a lot of music. What uh, kind of music? Western music, American music. Really. So, do you think that that Western music you were listening to eight to fourteen had any influence when you were wanting to come here? I think so. Yes. Uh huh. All right, uh, Andrea, where you want to go? Why did you wait twenty six years to start franchising? Well, uh, we wanted to make sure that the model is worthy of franchising. We polished the model. Uh, we worked hard at it. We made sure it was duplicable before we decided to uh, make the leap to franchising. Uh-huh. Interesting. So you wanted to make sure that you really knew what you were doing first. All right. I get it. Brian? Yes. Um how did you first learn of the opportunity um, that this field, this market presented, this market of, of home health care? Yes, my mother was on a wheelchair in 1989, and we were looking for living care for her, for a nurse to come in and assist her on a day-in, day-out basis. And we looked and looked, and we did not find anything. So we thought there may be a niche in the market that we can fill. And uh, the minute we announced that we provide living care, we were getting calls from all over the place, 50 and 100 miles away, that uh -huh. people needed that. Andrea? So your mom was in a wheelchair? Yes. And you've described her in the green room as, as vivacious and, you know, successful. And, and how were you affected by seeing mom in that state? Oh, it's a, it's a life-changing experience, really. But uh, fortunately, it was uh, a life-changing experience for the better. And... Uh, I'll give her the credit for that, though she was the one who suffered. But uh, uh, we all change, I believe, to the better uh, because mm -hmm. of her. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? Uh, we learned how to be tolerant. We learned a new language because she was speechless after uh, she became wheelchair-bound. Uh, gotcha. And uh, yeah. this is not a language that you learn anywhere. We mm -hmm. communicated with her. Gotcha. And Brian? Uh, yeah, well, let's talk a little about your, your mother and father. You grew up you grew up in Lebanon with your parents yes. and your family members. Um, and and I think your mom was uh, involved professionally in, in some t enterprise. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes, yeah, she created the first weekly magazine for children in Lebanon. And, and, and what was your involvement? Uh, we used to gather on a weekly basis with her, the children, and, and uh, she used to use us as a sounding board if we liked this uh, page or like that exercise or those puzzles or whatever she includes in the paper. You were, you were the market research. If you want so, yes. yes. <laughs> and even before this, you worked with your father. I think you talked a little about how you worked with your father in his printing shop. Yes. My father was a publisher and printer, and he used to take us every Saturday to his uh, publishing house to help the workers there in the daily operation uh, this is the time when it was linotype you know you mm -hmm. put every letter together and uh yeah at the beginning we resented it because instead of being with our friends and hanging out and sleeping in on saturday we had to get up early and go with him to the to the printing and publishing house and uh, you learned a lot about publishing too i imagine on top of everything else i learned about publishing but i learned more about discipline and hard work and how it pays off how did you learn that uh Precisely for the fact that uh, my father expected us. He'd wake us up in the morning and expect us to go there. And uh, fast forward 30 years, I realized that my discipline comes from those little uh, exercises. So you that learned discipline from your dad going into his print shop and having to do work when you were a kid. And from your mom, what did you get from your mom? Uh, 
you know, I often um, ask myself who's more saintly, Mother Teresa or Mother Laureen, my mother. And uh, I learned from her being non-judgmental, uh, all the goodness, and uh, being tolerant. How, how, I don't understand how that plays out in terms of building a business. I mean, I thought in terms of building a business, it was blood and guts and people suing people. What are you talking about non-judgmental and Mother True. Teresa? In our business, senior care, uh, you need brain and heart every single second of the day. And you cannot operate with just brain, and you cannot operate with just heart. I got the brain from my father and the heart from my mother, and this is what made the operation successful. Lester? Yeah, I, I'm struck by what you just said, um, and, and what kind of resonates with me is the idea that you actually became a voice for her when she couldn't speak for herself, and she was a product of the written word. 100%. So how did that, how did that affect you in that way? Uh, it affected you in a way that uh, you become more tolerant, more patient to understand what she's saying and to interpret by guessing, and you tell her the first time is this, no, the second time is this, until we get it right. How do you use that today in, in how you run this business? Uh, we listen better today. What uh, do you mean? Uh, we listen to customers, to employees, to, to anyone you're talking to in the business. We become better listeners, and I think because of mom, because I give her the credit for that. But I thought th I thought that the CEO was supposed to give orders, and if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're fired. Some CEOs, yes. But you? I don't believe that's the way to do it. Uh, if you were to provide uh, to become a leader, uh, leadership is not just to lead people, but provide an environment where every single member of the organization is encouraged and empowered to uh, use their leadership skills. What do you bring into this uh, to this business, Options Corp, home health care? What do you bring in special to it because you're from Lebanon? I think the combination of uh, the heart and the mind that we inher I, I inherited from my parents is seen in uh, the business that we uh, provide and with the franchises that we uh, provide assistance to. They know it's authentic. They know it's uh, and there's integrity there. What, what, what do you mean by authentic? What are you talking about? That what you say is really what you mean. What you say is what you mean. But when you sign a franchisee, you're signing a piece of paper, and then you don't have to you don't have to worry about anything because you signed a piece of paper. But you have to provide them with the support that you promised them that you provide them with, and Why? we provide support unlimited to the uh, franchisees. You're telling me you try to provide more than what you agreed to, as opposed to less? No, we agreed to provide them support, and we provide them the support. But you try to cut corners providing them the support? We try not to. Uh-huh. Well, doesn't, isn't it sometimes more effort and cost more to provide them more support? Sometimes, yes. I have some franchisees who call me on Saturday and Sunday. But I don't see any reason why not to answer that. And the nice thing is that they so appreciate it that they make it vocal. They, they uh, vocalize their appreciation that we attended to their needs on weekends. Now let me ask you a question. Tell me the truth here. Do you enjoy those conversations? Yes, because I know, first of all, it's not like every Saturday, Sunday, 10 hours. Mm -hmm. It's once weekend a month right. for half an hour. Yeah. I do not mind it because I understand why and how the franchisee or the franchise owner appreciates that. Do you have personal relationships with any of your franchisees? 
I know them all one by one. I mean, but do you have any, I mean, do you really do you enjoy any of their relationships on a personal level? Yes, we don't meet as often as we would like to, but um, they call me. I call them. Uh, there was a flood in uh, North Carolina. Uh, I was so in you really get involved with, with them. So you you really get involved on a personal level with these people. This is a personal relationship for you, as well as a business relationship. Yes. Uh huh. That's what you mean by that's again. It's going back to what you mean. It's both the brain as well as the heart. Exactly. Yeah. Uh huh. What's the best part of your day? Best part of the day is when you get a call or a letter or an email from a customer saying, uh, "Thank you so much for sending us uh, Jane Doe to take care of my mother during the last six months of her life because she was a God sent angel." And praising do you, that do you really get those letters? Yeah. How does that make you feel? That's the best part of the day, as I said. Uh huh. What's the website address for this organization known as Options Optionscorp.com. Let me have that one more time. Optionscorp.com. All right. It's O P T I O N S C O R P.com. Correct. We've been speaking with Ramzi Rahani, CEO of Options Corp, here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. Want help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues. Because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. Hi, this is Sherry from Hummingbird Market in Tucson, Arizona. I have some great news for those of you who like hummingbirds. Hummingbirds are the most loved and easily fed birds in the United States. Attracting these flying jewels into your yard is accomplished by using the proper nectar and feeders available from Hummingbird Market. Hummingbird Market has revolutionized hummingbird nutrition. We scientifically formulate hummingbird nectar made with all-natural plant sugars that most closely replicate nectar from Mother Nature's flowers. It hydrates and energizes the hummingbird with the essential sugar-blended nutrients it requires for proper nutrition, which keeps them coming back to your yard. Hummingbird Market is your preferred source for hummingbird-approved feeders, nectar, and accessories. Disconnect from your technology, gadgets, and daily obligations, and discover the natural beauty of hummingbirds. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Kirk Cohen. And we'd like to introduce... Nisha Shah Jahan. Who's the president and CEO of Integrity Management Services here on Executive Leaders Radio. Nisha, what, what is Integrity Management Services? We're a small woman-owned uh, consulting firm that focuses in supporting and improving government programs. And uh, where are you from originally? Detroit, Michigan. Uh-huh. How many brothers and sisters? I have one younger sister. All right. Andrea, where would you like to go? You were born in Detroit. Where are your parents from? They're from rural villages in India. Rural villages in India to Detroit, Michigan. What was that like for them? 
well, my mom was the pioneer in the family who stepped outside and uh, kind of took risks and came here. She uh, used to tell me it was very difficult, but she's a very resilient person, and so is my dad. And what did mom do for a living? Did she, she work outside the home? Yes, she. Oh, she was working, and uh, she was working as a nurse for the Veterans Administration for over thirty years. And what about your father? What did he do? He was a chemist for the city of Detroit for also over thirty years. And when you were young, what were you doing in your spare time? Uh, well, there was a heavy focus on academics, so I was studying a lot. And then on top of that, um, I was very interested in my Indian culture, so I spent a lot of time listening to Indian music, dance, and um, watching uh, Hindi films. Studying. That's interesting because most kids you're at a young age wouldn't put that high in their list of things to do in their spare time. Were you? Um, was that different? Um, in my community, not so much. Expectations at the home, not so much. My parents left their country to make a better life for us. So it was always, always known that we had to excel in school and in life. How did you get that message that you had to excel in school? Well, <laughs> I could not come home with anything less than an A. That was kind of expectation. It was one of those things that if there was an A minus, it was like, well, where's the rest of that A? Wow. Was, it, was that because you were the oldest? Uh, I think I was the first born in our family in the, the country, yes, but I think that was just an expectation overall. And it's, t- it's th- your, bil- your sisters, you don't have a, a brother in there? No. So did they treat you different because of that? Well, that that's very interesting because in our culture, it, it, there's a depiction of, you know, males are more important or they are, should be focusing more on education. But my mom, being the pioneer, her name actually, they referred to her as a male name because she was the second daughter. So at that point, you know, they really wanted a son. So they named her a male name um, in, in um, from you know, in our uh, our culture, and so she acted like the man. So in in the sense that she was like, I can do anything that any man can, and that's how she raised me and, and my sister. Yeah, you guys, you know, you had to get straight A's. How else were you different when you were a kid from all the other kids? Uh, I I was the only. Uh, pretty much the only brown kid in school growing up at a very young age. So I had to kind of balance both Western and Eastern cultures. So being the only brown kid when you were a kid growing up, how'd that plant the seeds for your being? It says here on this piece of paper, you're the president and CEO of Integrity Management Services. Well, I was, uh, I kind of grew up in this organization and I was now, all... What did you learn being, being different that you're using nowadays to grow this team? I think it's kind of meshing uh, different cultures, meshing, mes- meshing different, pr- um, I guess, perspectives, kind of being able to collaborate and see th- things from all different angles. So you learned how to adapt. You learned how to fit in. You also learned how to read people pretty quickly, huh? Yes. Uh-huh. How many partners do you have in the business? Three. What do you do different from them? I kind of bridge the gap between operations and business development. Uh-huh. That's interesting. How many, uh, you say you were the oldest cousin in this country as well. Yes. Uh-huh. What was your relationship? What was your role? What was your reputation with your other cousins? Well, I was uh, uh, pretty uh, significantly older than a more the majority of the cousins, so I was kind of the one in charge. Really? What's that have to do with what you're doing with your two partners and how you're building this business? Well, I think w- it's it's that ability to step up when needed and ability to take charge and uh, as well as problem solve. Tell us more about that. What do you mean? I think that's the fun part. I, I never really thought I was going to go into the business. fun part. That's the tough part. That's difficult. Taking responsibility, being on top of everything, managing, making sure you're hurting the cats in the same. D- what are you talking about? That's the fun part. It, it, it is the challenging part, but also the fun part as well, because you get to sit down together as a team, collaborate and kind of figure out what's the solution. Does your mother have any idea what you're doing for a living? 
Uh, currently, yes. Yes, she mm -hmm. does. Has she been to your office? No, she has not. Uh-huh. If she was at your office, if she visited your office, how do you think she'd feel? Uh, I think she'd be extremely proud, extremely proud of me. Why? Uh, you know, they had a vision of me of becoming a doctor, and when that fell through, I think both of them were still very supportive, and I knew I was determined to find my own path, and I think she would she would say that, you know, it doesn't matter what obstacles you face, it's, it's, it's the fact that you're able to overcome them. So they had these high expectations from you, for you, and they expected you to be a doc, but you ended up not. Yes. And what did that do to you? Really, that helped uh, helped me see that just because you know one plan did not work out, don't stop dead in your tracks. Be determined to uh, make your own path. Did that drive you? Yes. What do you mean? Because you know, becoming a doctor takes a lot of discipline and a lot of motivation and hard work. And for you know whatever reason, we uh, when my parents came to this country, they thought that that was you know, the best job out there. So that's what they wanted for their kids. But as we grew up in this country, we saw there are many, many possibilities. So not just being a doctor uh, is the only way. And so, you know, being successful is you're really your own path. Um, mom's still around nowadays? Yes, she uh, is. How's she doing? She has Alzheimer's. Ah. So was she aware? How, how long have you been involved with this business? Was mom aware you were getting involved in this business? She was, um, she was aware as mm -hmm. I first started, but mm -hmm. l most recently, mm -hmm. probably over the last five years, she's not. Mm -hmm. How about much. dad? Is dad aware? Uh, yes, he's, he's the caregiver for my mom, and he's extremely proud of me. Uh -huh. what is he, uh, how do you know that? Oh, uh, he tells me every day. I told him yesterday you know, I was going to be on the show, and he's just you know, beaming with pride. Why? Uh, because I think he just, you know, thinks that both his daughters have accomplished so much in life, and he always tells tells us that. What's he tell you? He tells he tells us how he's proud of us, and how you know he always tells us great job. But he also always says, you know, whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability, and do it with integrity. Mm -hmm. Your cousins aware about what you're of what you're doing? I think so. Mm -hmm. You think they'd be surprised if they found out? I think some of them, yes. Mm -hmm. I think they have a general idea. Uh huh. Next question: Who's got it, Lester? I just yeah. I'm, I'm, you don't you don't need the, sh the spotlight shined on you a lot, is what you really were talking about before. But when you need to, you step up. Is there anyone other than your mom, your dad, that had an influence on you that kind of shaped that that way of being? Yes, I had several mentors growing up in my organization, uh, especially the women. Um, Mary Kay Smith was one of them. And, you know, it was just showing that you did not have to be center stage to be the one who um, was managing, you know, the show. Uh, she and it was mm -hmm. just it was kind of, um, you know, being able to balance uh, knowing what you're doing as well as um, collaborating with the people. Uh -huh. Nisha, er earlier you were talking to Andrea and you guys were talking about when you took on this role in this company, you had some other ideas about what you wanted to do in this role. What was that all about? Well, you know, when I uh, took over as w one of the owners, one of uh, the things that I really wanted to do was help something other than just focus on billable hours uh, and uh, consulting. We wanted to give back to our, uh, we wanted to uh, adopt a, a, a management style of servant leadership where we give back to our employees, but also the community at large. Why is that important to you? 
you know, growing up, my parents were very active in the community and it was just always part of our, you know, upbringing to give back. And you also have a family of your own now, I, I understand. Yes, I have two little boys. And what are the parallels of raising young boys and, and running your business today? Oh, there's so many. We always say, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's a madhouse, you know, people running in different directions, same thing with kids, kind of all over the place, and you just kind of have to herd the cats and keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. What's the best part of your day? Um, other than coming home to my kids, the best part of my day is, you know, we had one of our employees say to us, you know, if I had a daughter, I'd want them to work for Integrity M. And hearing comments like that, that's one of, one of Wh- uh, the Why would they want their it. daughter to work for, why would they want that? Uh, you know, the context that he um, provided that information was really that we are a supportive environment and our leadership team is mostly comprised of females and we support each other and we help each other succeed. Wow. What's the website address of this organization? IntegrityM.com. Let me have that one more time. IntegrityM as a management.com. We've been speaking with Nisha Shahjahan, who is the president and CEO of Integrity Management Services here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website, executiveleadersradio.com. Learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this business spotlight. Want help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, Grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow, assuming you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business, are truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, we may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. And Ray, what organization are you with? Life Sciences Conference Group. And what is Life Sciences Conference Group? What do you folks do? We produce annual conferences and events for medical technology, life science, pharmaceutical companies. Uh-huh. So if I go to an event, you're the folks that are working behind the scenes to make it happen? That's correct. We're the ones that make sure the food's on the table, the seats are there, soundstage and lights of there, your registration process works. And, and what kind of events are these? Are these just in the life science industry? 
Strictly in the life science industry. Why, why do you focus on the life science industry? Uh, we found that the best way to produce a high-quality event is to really know your customer. So we don't believe in numbers. It's names. We get to know each company. We find out what their actual mission and goals are, and we find the best way to deliver the value to them. And are you doing this nationally or regionally? We do it nationally. We continue to look for international opportunities, but it's primarily here in North America. And how old is this company? Uh, the company has just finished its 10th year. And how long have you been with the company? I founded the company 10 years ago. What gave you the idea to start this company? I used to work for a big corporation, and I produced the annual event for us. And when I decided to leave, they said, thank you for giving us $150 million worth of a business, and we'll see you later. And mm-hmm. next time I decided I would keep some ownership and do it myself. Ah, so you've been building you've been building this ever since. What, what do you like about your job? I like how different it is because we mix policy, we mix business. I might be putting one CEO together with a politician. I might be putting another CEO together with an investor. Mm-hmm. And I might be putting the next person together with their next employee. How interesting. Well, what's the website address for this organization? Medtechconference.org. Let me have that one more time. Medtechconference.org. Org. And the name of the organization again is? Life Sciences Conference Group. Life Sciences Conference Group. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. Ray Briscuso. We've been talking to Ray Briscuso, CEO and managing partner of Life Sciences Conference Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. This has been your business spotlight. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, Some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, they, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh-huh. what's happening. So your idea, your, your thought is that in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events, through art, uh, through a happy hour. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. That's what's exciting. So it's all about the people. And you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization. Is this a nine-to-five kind of job oh, for you? Oh, hell no. It's a lot longer uh-huh. than that, baby. So do you have to, you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, sure, sure. Let me have the website address of this sure, organization. it's balsambid.com, and, and you can download the Boston Connect mobile app. Let me have uh, let me have that website address one more balsambid.com. time. It's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. And your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your business spotlight back in a moment. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Michael Farrell, who is the executive director of an organization known as Coalition for the Homeless. Michael, what is Coalition for the Homeless? The Coalition for the Homeless is a nonprofit organization that provides supportive housing and temporary services to homeless individuals. Give us some statistics. Last year, we served 652 homeless men, women, and children. We assisted 267 of them to secure permanent housing, which is the ultimate goal of the organization. 
and another 123 to secure employment. Wow. Where are you from originally? Washington, D.C. And uh, how many brothers and sisters, and where are you in the pecking order? I am the oldest of four boys. Uh huh. What did that do to you, being the oldest of four boys? Well, being the oldest, I had more responsibility than my, my younger siblings. When you I, say you had more responsibility, did you assume that, or did somebody tell you that? I was directed by my father. What, what did he particular. tell you? What do you mean? What did he tell you? He told me that I needed to help him and my mother to take care of my younger brothers. Uh-huh. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I understood. And I think, Brian, you got the next question. Uh, what did your father do for a profession? My father was a waiter, or today we call them food servers. At a, at a restaurant or a hotel, a you said, I think? Hotel restaurant. And, uh, and, and from an early age, I guess, uh, you sort of uh, realized sort of the direction your life was going to be heading when it came to what you are going to do for a living. Is that, is that a fair statement? Fairly early age? At a fairly early age, uh, the... The need, the desire to give back to the community, community service, you know, was something that was a, a part of my family. Yeah, and at one point earlier in the green room when we were talking um, as a group, you, you s- stated that you believe that God shows you for your current position. Is that, is that, is that right? Very much so. And what, what, was the, what happened pre- preceding this that sort of bring along this idea that you know there's a divine sort of guidance in your life directing you uh, in your profession. I joined the coalition in '89 and uh, presented with the opportunity to apply for the position of executive director. After the then executive director left, I didn't get the position. Uh, I continued to stay and, and work for the organization, and the opportunity presented itself during the interim. Uh, I had actually was looking for other opportunities and uh, didn't get those and had the opportunity once again to become the CEO of the coalition. And it was at that point I realized mm-hmm. that was God's plan. And, and then early on, early on, that was your realization. But I'm sure that uh, uh, usually if you have one has a realization such as that, you look back on all the, all the things which happened prior to that, sort of as it, it line you up for that position. Uh, and, and, and from my understanding, is it started fairly early. You got involved in various you know, church-related organizations and stuff like that, um, which sort of brought you to the nature of the profession that you're in now, even before that, like when you were still in school. I did. I used to work for an organization called the uh, Council of Churches of Greater Washington, which was a faith-based organization, and that was my first experience. And they provided services to the community as well as a, a summer camp for youth. Mm-hmm. Andrea? So it sounds that like church was uh, really important to you as, as a kid. Tell us more about how church plays a role in your life today. Well, well, my church life, my faith life is literally the foundation of my life and so it permeates everything that I do. And so, you know, the fact that I work for an organization like the Coalition for the Homeless just simply reinforces, you know, my faith and and my beliefs. How? Serving people is the most basic and fundamental expectation of of a Christian, uh, someone who has faith, to serve others. And so this gives me that opportunity each and every day to serve others in my community. Wow. Wow. 
Well, it sounds like, in, in a way, you and your dad have something in common. He was serving others, and so are you, just serving something different, You're feeding something different. Absolutely, absolutely. Why are you smiling about that, Michael? Because I never thought about it in that context, but you're absolutely on point. My father took great pride in the work that he did and instilled those values to my brothers and I. Uh, the, the importance of you know working hard and education and service you know to others in our community. Did Dad make a lot of money? No, he didn't. He wasn't rich, uh, but certainly you know we had a roof over our heads and there was always food on the table, so we did okay. Uh huh. Where was Mom's hand in all this? My mother, you know, had medical issues off and on dur- during her entire life. And so, you know, at how did that affect you? How did mom's medical issues affect you? Did you care for mom? To the extent that we could. Uh, my mother first became ill when I was very young. I was probably about seven years old. And her ish- medical issues, you know, occurred off and on. And so as I got older, I was more involved. But in the younger years, you know, not so much. How's, how did mom's medical issues affect what you're doing nowadays? I recognize that the issues that my mother had certainly affected other people in our community. It affects people that we currently serve in the work that I do. What do you mean? Tell me more. She has some mental health challenges. And if you know anything about homelessness, mental illness is one of the major issues that uh, affects individuals who experience homelessness. And so... Uh, my mother, unfortunately, had some mental health, uh, health challenges, depression. Was it obvious to you before now that there was a clear connection between mom's illness and the, pu- and the population you're serving? Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. What um, was the grandparents' role in all this, since you mentioned them earlier? There was a point in my life when my grandparents actually, we lived with my grandparents okay, because of my mother's illness. How did they influence you? Well, my mother, my grandmother was a deeply religious woman, and so certainly uh, her influence, you know, on my life looms very large. How? Going to church, you know, you know, not only ev- every Sunday morning, but Sunday afternoon and, and what, during what, the what, week. What, what, what do you mean by going to church? What are you talking about? Go- going to worship services, you know, at at our church, uh, my mother, or my grandmother, I should say, you know, was uh, a Baptist. And so in Baptist church, uh, you stay all day. And what, do you, when you, what did you get out of that? What do you get out of that? First and foremost, the spirituality. Uh, the, and that is the, the, the most important thing. But the other is how to treat others in your community you know, in your family, your your relationships with everyone that you deal with, you know, are based upon the simple uh, commandment to do unto others, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have done to you. Wow. Wow. So I understand now why you had so much responsibility put on you by your dad because he was dealing with your mom and he really needed you to step up and you know, take responsibility. It sounds like that's what you're doing at work is stepping up and taking responsibility and making sure everything's running smooth like you had to do at home as a kid. Yes? No? Yes. 
Very much so. Mm-hmm. What's the best part of your day? Very best part of my day is knowing that I have made a difference in someone's life. You know, whether it's a big way or a small How way. How do you know if you did? Because people you know, give you feedback. You know, they are let you. Are you, know. you out in the field? I mean, do you sit in your fancy office and you know have three-hour lunches and stuff like that? No, not hardly. Uh-huh. Uh, at the, I was at the program sites. In fact, literally just this past Saturday, I was at one of the program sites. We have a reading program for the children. Do you get paid extra for working Saturdays? No. Why do you do it? Because I love what I do. What are you talking about? I love helping others in our community. I love working with those who are in our respective programs. I love the fact that we have one individual who was in our program, and when he left our program, he started his own business as an electrical contractor. Moments like that are priceless. What's the website address to this organization known as Coalition for the Homeless? DCCFH.org. Let me have your name and your title and that website address one more time. Okay. Michael Farrell, mm-hmm. Executive Director, mm-hmm. DCCFH.org. We've been, uh, again, we've been speaking with Michael Farrell, Executive Director, Coalition for the Homeless here on Executive Leaders Radio. Uh, Les, can you please have a rundown on who else we've had the opportunity of speaking with today? Sure. We had Andrew Ritger, President and CEO of Zips Dry Cleaners. We had... Ramzi Rahani, CEO of Options Core. We had Nisha Shah Jahan, President and CEO of Integrity Management Services, Inc., and Michael Farrell, Executive Director, Coalition for the Homeless. I would like to thank my co-hosts, including Joe Applebaum, Potomac Companies, Brian Chandler, Pretori Law, Andrea Dykes, Howard Insurance, and Les Mullen Vistage for giving me a hand structuring the questions. Hope you're providing our listening, edu- listening audience an educational and entertaining show. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. It's executiveleadersradio.com to learn more about our executive leaders. Thank you for joining us today, and have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.